Season 2, Episode 6 of the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. Can you believe that BirdLife South Africa's Flock to Marion 2020 cruise is just over two months away? The Flock Cruise is not only an opportunity to see birds and mammals that you may never see again, but it also provides the opportunity to do some birding in the Cape Town area before you get on the ship. So I decided to enlist the help of well-known Cape Town birder, Garrett Skeed, to give us tips and locations to help plan an epic Cape Town birding weekend. If you are doing the cruise, or even if you just want to plan a birding trip to Cape Town, I encourage you to get something to drink, grab a pen and a notepad, because you are in for a very informative episode. If you are coming on Flock to Marion from either South Africa or somewhere international, and are looking for binoculars, scopes, or any of the South African field guides, either visit our online store, the link is in the show notes, or drop us an email on info at We will do everything we can to get you the best prices around, as well as ensuring that they are in your hands before you board the ship. So, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Sorovsky Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lesser Bird Logging app. Spot, plot, play a part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. The Birding Life is a lot more than just a podcast. It's a multi-platform resource to connect birders with each other, amazing locations, the best resources, and obviously where to find amazing birds. Check out our website at www.thebirdinglife.com, our YouTube channel, our various social media platforms, as well as the other podcasts we host. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to help others find the show. So let us get into this week's episode of the Birding Life Podcast. So before we dig into what we're going to be chatting about in this episode, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Garrett? Um, yeah, well, I'm also a KZN boy, actually, born and raised in Peter Maritzburg. And then I studied in Pretoria, did a medical degree up there and lived in a few places between there and now. And I am now settled in Cape Town and I'm a pathologist in private practice. So I, yeah, I unfortunately don't get paid to bird for a living as much as I'd love to. So you have to have a day job. And how did you get into birding? Well, it was a, it was a beach holiday down at Mboiki with a friend of mine who's a birder, FPU Bad, and one day he said, why don't you take a walk with me in the forest? And I said, no, nah, it's, you know, I'm not interested. I'll rather sit around here and do nothing. And he said, no, come along. And then we went and we saw a couple of interesting birds and we got back and we made a list. And as soon as I made a list, we had a list of 20 or 30 species that I'd seen. And then I was, yeah, I was absolutely hooked for life. I just needed to continually add to that list. So that's how I got hooked. I must say that sounds like the start of a horror movie. Let's take a walk in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> it does rather, yes. No, there was nothing untoward that happened. We just saw some great birds. And then you also help Trevor when Trevor Hodicker's away. You help him with the rare birds report. Yeah, I do try and stand in and help him out. Um, also to make sure that the rarity news continues flowing naturally and, well, that there's an opportunity for everybody to get onto rare birds, obviously. So, yeah, I'm always happy to help Trevor out. It's, it's quite fun to 
actually be at the at the center of all the action when, when all the rare birds are reported. So I quite enjoy it. So there's a lot of excitement at the moment. Uh, it feels like eternity since the Flock to Marion cruise was first planned and then obviously COVID came and the world was turned upside down and 2021 became Marion um, 2022. But next year, or well, the cruise is happening and we're so excited about it. And the cruise was meant to be leave from Durban initially. Um, now it's leaving from Cape Town and hearing from a lot of birders, they are looking to come down to um, Cape Town and do some birding in the Cape. And it's an opportunity to tick a hold of those birds that they might not have had the opportunity to see. For a lot of people, obviously, you know, flock is going to be a week out, which is going to be fantastic. We're not going to chat too much about that in this episode. But um, for a lot of people, they might only have a weekend to come down to Cape Town before flock to Marion and I thought it'd be good to just to have a chat about how people can maximize that weekend how people who have only got a weekend to bird can come down to Cape Town and see the maximum amount of species they can so before we get into the you know the spots and that can you give us a little bit of an overview of Cape Town um, or, or more specifically of birding in Cape Town and some of the special birds that are found in the area yeah absolutely um Cape Town has fantastic birding overall, um, contrary to what some of the upcountry folk believe. We've got beautiful fanbos, we've got wonderful mountain scenery, so it's a spectacular place to go birding no matter where you end up. And it's endemic rich, we've got lots of fanbos specials, abundance of raptors, and of course another thing about Cape Town that's so wonderful is excellent wetland and wader watching. Uh, we certainly have access to some of the world's premier wader watching in Cape Town. And Obviously, on a day trip out of Cape Town, there's also an opportunity to see iconic species such as Cape Rock Jumper, Cape Siskin, Victorin's Warbler, and others. Um, so I think it's a fantastic place to come birding, and I sincerely hope that most birders do plan to come down the weekend before and make the most of it. And obviously, Cape Town as a destination is just absolutely stunning, probably one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Oh, yes. I mean, look, I'm biased, but it is beautiful. Everywhere, you know, no matter where you stay, you'll enjoy it. You'll have magnificent mountain scenery. The coastal areas are lovely. Um, it's a gorgeous place to stay. Lovely cosmopolitan modern city. So, yes, it's a city that we're all very proud of, and I'm sure everybody will enjoy it a lot. So we're going to go cover quite a lot of practical stuff, and I'm sure if people have got any questions, they can just drop us an email, and we can try and answer those questions even afterwards. But, you know, a lot of people might have never been down to the Cape. I've uh, been down to the Cape twice, and it's like, if you're in South Africa, the Cape is like a, it's like going to a different country. It's very, very different. The first thing is, which I think is quite cool, it stays light really late at night, which is really awesome as a birder. Yeah, that's fantastic. And in January, you're going to have early dawn and late sunset. So there's going to be lots of time for birding and lots of time for early morning and late afternoon birding as well. It's a huge advantage. I must say, it kind of messes with your head when you go there in winter and you wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning and it's still pitch black. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's not as fantastic in winter. We're not very proud of our winters, but summer is fantastic in the Cape. And by January, February, at the time of flock, I think it'll be lovely. The weather should be very, very good. So you're speaking about the weather. What kind of weather can people expect in the Cape in January? Yeah, it should be nice, long, hot summer's days. Um, there should be probably a, minimal, a minimum of wind. Um, although in the Cape, one can never be 100% sure of what you're going to expect. You can have four seasons in a day. So although it's not really the windy season or the rainy season, you could probably expect sort of long, hot days, but it would still make sense to check the forecasts in advance and always make sure that you plan your birding around the forecast. So, you know, I, I like to use YR as the, the app to recommend 
you know, the, the weather conditions in terms of rain and and wind. And I think that anybody planning a birding trip would be well advised to use that app or, uh, or a similar app to make sure that you're not going to be blown off, off your feet where you choose to go birding. So, but I think that generally we can expect pretty good birding at that time of year. So it shouldn't be too much of a factor. Obviously, most places I know it does, but how does the birding go? Because that wind seems to come in quite often in the Cape. Does it like really kill the birding totally when that comes in or are there still birds around? No, look, there'll still be birds around. One might not hear the birds as nicely, but there's still things that you can do. When there's a hot, windy day, the raptor watching can be really good. The, um, the sea watching can be also fantastic. That's another thing that I enjoy doing a lot in Cape Town is doing a sea watch with my scope off the coast of Clifton or Mully Point. So the, the, the worse the weather conditions, the better it is for the pelagic birds out to sea. So there's always something to do if it's windy. But generally speaking, it might impact your fanboss birding. But luckily, some of the places that I'm going to recommend also have hides. So you can bird from the, from the, with a bit of protection from the hides. And places like Strandfontein, you bird from your car. So, you know, one just has to angle the car away from the wind, make sure that one window is closed while one is open so it's not a, a howling gale through the car. So you can work around it. There's certainly also going to be birds to be seen when it's windy. So the way we're going to do this episode is we're going to try and break it down bit by bit we're going to go through the weekend from the start almost to the end we're going to try and um, I've asked Garrett to give tips to help you to almost from the time you land till the time you get on the ship to try to maximize that birding to the best best of your ability I know there's a lot of tours that are happening around so you know also check out the different tour the different tour companies if you're looking to book a tour I know all, most of the big companies are doing tours around there so obviously this this the plan we're giving could also change in terms of if rarities were to show up which can really mess things up which in a good way um so we're going to try to cover all the most important spots and we're going to give tips on how to bird those places so we're going to get started with this epic cape town birding weekend so the first thing i remember and i think this is something to take into account when people come in there is the traffic from the city to the from the airport to the city i remember that's always crazy yeah the traffic can be a factor in cape town but generally speaking everything's coming into the city in the morning and going out of the city in the afternoon. So if you're going to be, if you're traveling with the traffic towards the city, you're going to be in trouble, but provided that you're against the traffic or beating the traffic by going earlier, you should be fine. So if you're arriving at eight o'clock in the morning at Cape Town International, getting into the city will probably be quite busy, but most of the time you can work around it. So people would have arrived on Friday. Let's just say, Someone arrives mid-morning on Friday, they get the rental car sorted out, do all that irritating stuff that you need to get figured out. Um, what would be the first place that you would head to? It depends on my targets, of course. If I was, obviously there are newer birders who are looking for a lot of the new special Cape Town birds or famous birds, so or more experienced birders who might be hunting some of the more tricky species. But basically, you know, pitching the Pitching this at the general birder who'd like to get the most out of Cape Town birding, I would say that probably the two best destinations in the city would be Kirstenbosch and Strandfontein. So arriving mid-morning on Friday, I'd probably head straight down to Strandfontein because the birding at Strandfontein is good any time of day. Whereas perhaps Kirstenbosch is a little bit better early in the morning or late afternoon. So I'd probably head straight to Strandfontein. And um, yeah, that would be probably my first stop if I was if I was arriving in the Cape. And what kind of birds can people expect to see there? 
Yeah, look, Strandfontein has a super abundance of birds, um, but it's fairly low on endemism. So if, if you're looking for the endemic birds, then you're rather going to head to the mountain Feinbos, to Kirstenbosch, whereas Strandfontein, you're going to have a super abundance of, of waders, of waterfowl. And what's really great about Strandfontein is you really just never know what to expect. You never know what might turn up there. It's just been a, a rarity trap for, for decades now. So you can turn up almost anything. But I think that some of the specials that people enjoy seeing at Strandfontein are, for example, black-necked grebe is almost guaranteed. And I think that's quite a difficult bird for a lot of birders to connect with in other parts of the country. Lots of pelicans, makoa ducks, and of course, numerous waders can be found, particularly at that time of the year. The wader watching should be really good and there should be some exciting things on offer. For example, at the same time this year, I think we were just coming off the season where we'd had the bed sandpiper, lesser sand plover. Um, that summer season in Cape Town, often a couple of redneck phalaropes often turn up. So there's always something good there. All, always a possibility of rallids and excellent for raptors as well. For example, African marsh harrier. So Strandfontein is a fantastic place to go birding. And there's also nearby Rondeflay, which offers excellent and safe birding from footpaths and hides and has a slightly different spectrum of birding to Strandfontein. So for example, there you can pick up white-backed duck, African and greater painted snipe are quite good there. Um, it's one of our most regular spots for Baylon's Crake, which is actually fairly common and well, most commonly seen in the January time period. Um, and also an excellent spot for little bitterns. So yeah, it's excellent world-class wetland birding in Cape Town at those two sites. But then of course, if somebody wanted to target some of the Fainbos specials and the endemics and the birds that occur strictly in the Fainbos region, then I would recommend going to Kirstenbosch. And Kirstenbosch might not be as good in the middle of the day, but in the late afternoon or early morning, Kirstenbosch will be excellent. So Kirstenbosch would give you access to birds such as Cape Sugarbird, Orange-Breasted Sunbird. You've got very tame Cape Spurfowls wandering around in the gardens, showing off and um, <laughs> actually quite tame. And then, of course, Kirstenbosch also offers access to another tricky and special Cape Town bird, which is Cape Siskin. So Cape Siskin is a good one, and I think a lot of birders probably also want to connect with that at some stage. Kirstenbosch also has forest canary and some of the world's most obliging lemon doves that you'll ever see. I know that in most parts of the country, a lemon dove is just a skittish bird that shoots off in the undergrowth in the forest. But in, in Cape Town, Underneath the Boomslang area in those gardens, you get these wonderfully tame lemon doves just strolling around. And of course, I know a lot of birders also want to see a common chaffinch when they come to Cape Town. And common chaffinch, of course, it's, a, it's an introduced species and, you know, some people might look down on it. But I know it's a tick for the subregion list and everybody's keen to see it. And they are actually very pretty, cute little birds. Um, so Kirstenbosch is also, an opportunity, is also a place where you can connect with a common chaffinch. And then in terms of Strandfontein, um, how's the access to the place? Is there like an entrance fee or how does, how does it work? Yeah, Strandfontein is great in the sense that there's no entry fee and they open early in the morning and they close at dusk. And they've also got some security there. So you know, we haven't had a lot of many incidents there. Well, almost none re really. You know, so it's nice and safe birding. People can feel very relaxed there. You can mostly bird from your car. It's free. You just have to give your name and your cell phone number at the gate, and then you can stay in as long as you want to. So the access is the access is excellent. I would just advise birders to not go onto some of the paths that or tracks that look a bit too sandy. So particularly the tracks down by the by the beach, 
you might potentially get stuck in the sand and that's not the way you want to start your birding holiday in Cape Town. I know Kirstenbosch, there is a an entry chart entry fee to get in, but I also know that the in terms of the infrastructure is quite nice. You know, it's a good you can grab a cup of coffee there, you can grab something to eat. So that's it's it's a nice place. It's 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 a nice place to bird. I don't know how much it costs to get in, but it's not it's quite reasonable. I think it's reasonable. Yes, you do have to pay unless you had a, a Euro pass, but obviously visitors won't. I think it's about 70 rand, so it's not too cheap, but there's some student discounts. But it's it's a it's so well worth it. It's extremely beautiful. It's it's magnificent scenery, you know, wonderful mountain backdrop to these beautiful gardens. No one would ever be disappointed. It's it's money very well spent. And as you say, there's coffee shops there, there's you can take a picnic in if you want to. So it's a it's a generally lovely experience and very enjoyable, and nobody will ever regret going to Kirstenbosch. And I do think for photographers, um, Kirstenbosch is probably one of the best places in the Cape for photography. Oh, definitely. Um, there's some natural, you know, some of the areas have artificial or cultivated alien vegetation, whereas others have indigenous vegetation with aloes, etc., fanbos, and those areas tend to attract the sunbirds. So you'll have fantastic opportunities to look at. Cape sugarbirds, orange-breasted sunbird, malachite sunbird, and others. Southern double-collared sunbird, of course, is extremely common. Very, very good photographic opportunities. And sometimes you just get forest canaries and Cape siskins feeding on the lawns, feeding on the, moving around in, in and amongst the indigenous vegetation. So, yeah, excellent for photographic purposes. So now on a Friday, you the Friday you arrive, you could quite easily do those two places quite comfortably in terms of the fact that, you know, the, the, it stays light quite late. Yeah, you can do, and they're not too far apart. So, you know, from the airport to Strandfontein, you're probably looking at about 30 to 40 minutes, um, and from there, probably another 15 to 20 minutes to get to Kosenbosch. So the distances are not great. You can definitely do multiple in one day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We really hope you are enjoying the episode. If you would like to support us and help grow the show, please, can we ask that you do two things? Firstly, please share the show on your favorite social media channel. Tell us why you enjoy the show and be sure to tag us in the post. This is one of the best ways to help get the word out about the podcast and bring more exposure to the guests that are featured and the conservation issues that are covered. Secondly, to help us cover the costs and to improve the quality of the show, please can you consider buying us a virtual coffee or two? This is a quick, safe and easy way to contribute to the show. You will find a link for this in the notes of the show. Okay, so we've done Friday now. Friday is finished. You get back to your accommodation. We'll chat about places to possibly book in, in a, a little bit later on. Um, wake up early on Saturday. The light comes up. It's nice and early. What would be what would be your suggested game plan for Saturday? And, I, and, and Garrett did ask earlier. I have no issue with if you if you think you, we should be heading out of Cape Town a bit. You know what? How do you think we can maximize the Saturday to see as many of those specials in Cape Town as we can? Yeah, well, Adam, I think you've got two main options. Either if you're going to stay in Cape Town, obviously there's great birding to be had. There's, you know, I should probably also mention there's excellent coastal birding. You know, Cormacchi, Clifton, Boulders. You know, you can get, you can see breeding um, colonies of bank cormorants, African penguins, obviously African oyster catchers common. So, so there's always going to be a lot more to do in Cape Town. But if you were going to, if one had a whole day available, then I would suggest probably planning a day trip out of Cape Town. And we're looking at probably an hour to an hour and a half of driving maximum. So the two main options there would be the West Coast National Park and Feltriff, that area, or alternatively heading eastward towards 
Roy else, which is where you would be targeting birds such as Cape Rock Jumper. So I'm very, very fond of both of those options. I think that everybody would enjoy both of them. And the Roy Owls trip would give you the best opportunity to see some exciting endemic species such as Cape Rock Jumper and obviously Ground Woodpecker, Cape Siskin. There's also the opportunity to see Victorin's Warbler, which is not possible in Cape Town itself. It's unusual, but Cape Rock Jumper and Victorin's Warbler actually don't occur on the mountains of the Cape Town Peninsula at all for reasons that we don't fully understand because there seems to be an abundance of habitat for them. So I would suggest, yeah, so we can chat about the possible itinerary of heading to Roy Else and that sort of area, or alternatively the West Coast. So those would be my two suggestions. So let's start with the Roy, let's start with the Roy Else day out. Yeah, okay. So Roy Else, so it's a, probably about an hour's drive from Cape Town, and it's along a beautiful coastal route, which is also famous for whale watching in wintertime. So the road will take you from Gordon's, through Somerset West and then Gordon's Bay, and then you'll follow this magnificent coastal road you know, beautiful blue ocean on your one side and mountain fanbos and, you know, magnificent mountainous scenery on your left side. And this road sort of winds its way across and you eventually get to this little coastal hamlet of Roy Alse and there's a spot where you park. And there's just one road and it's free access. The The residents are happy for birders to bird along that road, provided that birders don't go off the path and trample too much in the in the fanbos. They, you know, obviously the, the, the rock jumpers are very special and we don't want to disturb them. but And it's also an interesting spot in that you don't have to be there at dawn. You don't have to be there very, very early because the rock jumpers tend to start becoming active at around 8 o'clock or 8.30 in the morning. And then you just carefully walk along that coastal road and you've got the ocean on your one side and you've got the mountains on the other. And then you just watch for movement on those grassy, famous rocky slopes and hopefully pick up a Cape rock jumper or two hopping around. And if you're lucky, nesting or feeding, feeding young birds, etc. But, um, you know... Just, just getting a glimpse of one hopping on a rock is probably enough for most people. So, so those are beautiful, enigmatic birds, which everybody wants to see. And those are also obviously the bird life bird of the year for this year, I believe. So, so rock jumpers become active and, you know, often they can be incredibly obliging. And they, you can see them sitting on rocks just very close to the path. Sometimes I've even had ground woodpeckers and Cape rock jumpers sitting on exactly the same path or the same rock rather. So that can be quite fun too. Royals also gives you access to Victorin's warbler in the in the more sort of marshy, um, thicker areas, which is a little bit of a tricky bird at Royals, but it certainly is possible. And obviously all of the more widespread and common fanbos specials, such as orange-breasted sunbird and Cape Siskin, will be there in, in good numbers. And if you're doing a Royals trip, you can also then follow it up by continuing along to an area like Betty's Bay. The Harold Porter Botanical Gardens are very beautiful to visit, and that's a good spot for for Victorin's warbler, which can be a bird that I know a lot of birders struggle to connect with a Victorin's warbler, especially on a short itinerary in Cape Town. So Victorin's can be seen at Harold Porter. And also you can visit the African penguin colony at Boulders, oh sorry, at um, at Betty's Bay. So that's also quite fun to be up close and personal with all the African penguins. So so that's sort of a probably a morning's outing. And then I would suggest probably thereafter heading back into Cape Town for some more Cape birding. Whereas I wouldn't suggest trying to incorporate Roy Else and the West Coast in one day. I'd say that those are two different day out, days out. So so nobody will be disappointed by Roy Else. But I would just also mention one thing in, in the context of, of, of a trip in that direction. I know that the older guides make a lot of 
we'll talk a lot about Solaris Pass. And Solaris Pass is a good birding destination, but it should be noted that in a couple of the areas around the railway track, there have been a few security concerns. So I'd suggest that birders don't go there alone. Perhaps if you're in a group, it should be fine. And then you've got lovely thick fanboss alongside the railway track, which provides excellent access to Victorin's Warbler. You can almost not miss it there. But I would just recommend that if birders are going to go, then go with a group of birders there. Um, and also, Solaris Pass has become very unreliable for Cape Rock Jumper. So if you want to target a Cape Rock Jumper, the place that you need to go is Royals. And you just touched on the African penguin there. I know a lot of people, when they come to the Cape, there's almost this idea that you have to go to boulders to get them. And then people pay all this money to go um, see an African penguin up close. I mean, I remember, I think we got them in Simonstown. There, there's so many places that you can get, you can actually get up close to them without having to pay a whole lot of money. Yeah, that's true. Boulders is great, but maybe, you know, I shouldn't perhaps advertise it, but you can just walk along the, I think there's a public access walkway from the, from the entrance area, which runs below the level of houses and you look down over the beach and often you just get the penguins moving around in that vegetation right there next to the path. So you, you actually don't have to pay anything. But of course, if you want the, the really fantastic experience of sort of being on the beach and huge numbers of penguins and what have you, then, then it, it does make sense to pay and you'll get a great experience. But you certainly don't need to pay to go in to see an African penguin. There are certainly other ways to get it. So let's head in the opposite direction. If someone were to decide to do the West Coast, um, the West Coast, we chat about that. So West Coast and West Coast National Park and going up towards Feltriff, and that Feltriff area we refer to as the Columbine Peninsula. So that's probably one of my favorite places to go in the whole world. I just love a Saturday or a Sunday outing up there. West Coast National Park is about an hour from Cape Town, so you can get there in good time. And um, Feltriff is probably about another half an hour, 40 minutes beyond that. So it, that, it would be a, a proper day out usually to go up the West Coast. But you can also do West Coast National Park in the morning. And why West Coast National Park? Well, it's basically, in addition to great Strunfeld fanboss birding, it's also just a wader paradise. I mean, it has to be one of the best places to look at waders in Africa, if not the world. So if you get your timing right, and I'll talk about timing just now, the timing right at Hjelbeck, you'll have a truly fantastic experience. And, and something else that birders sometimes ask me is, do I need a scope? Well, the answer is a scope will always help. It, is, it certainly enhances the experience. But no, you don't actually need to have a scope. You can enjoy the waders just with binoculars or with your camera. Um, so... And, and the nice thing about the hide is it's also relatively protected from the wind. So, so if the conditions are right and if you get your timing right, then you can have numbers of waders that will literally like blow your mind. I don't know where else in the subregion you can get wader numbers like that. So you'll have all the common specials. You'll have all the common waders rather. And then in addition to that, you know, you, you have to look in and amongst the crowds of more common species like curlew, sandpiper and little stints you know, then it's great fun trying to pick up something unusual. So then occasionally you pick up a Eurasian curlew, some bar-tailed godwits. Red knot is a special bird, which is becoming more uncommon and quite difficult across a lot of its global range. So that's always a special and a nice bird to connect with. You can also see chestnut banded plover, which is another West Coast special. And then wader watching, you just never really know what you're going to get in terms of, of rarities. So rarities include, you know, there's fairly regular summer broadbilled sandpipers, 
which can be quite tricky to pick out, but they are fairly regular and they are around often. Um, you can also, at the salt marsh behind Hjolbeck, you can get lesser sand plover, greater sand plover. And obviously, as you know, as everybody knows, the, 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 over the, the, the rarities over the years are just extraordinary. For example, uh, I, I won't even bother to list all of the, 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 the amazing rarities that can show up, but it's almost, almost anything could potentially pop up there. And it might be it might be worth mentioning that way to watch way to watching is just one aspect of West Coast Park. It's also got great strandfold birding. So if you time it to arrive early, I think you can go in at seven o'clock in the morning. Then the strandfold is just alive with noise, and you've got um, you, you you know fantastic strandfold birds like grayback, testicular, Cape pendulum tit. It's an excellent spot for gray tit, which is one of my favorite birds, and has these wonderful lyric you know wonderful melodious calls that sort of ring out from all over graving franklin is another great special of the um of the strunfelt up there you can see white-throated canary and southern black Quran. and i think one of the other reasons why people enjoy west coast is because it's probably one of the best places to go to see black harrier and black harrier is obviously a very special endemic charismatic bird which everybody always enjoys it's also a, a very good spot for crew lark so it actually has two hides, and one can you can try and time it to do both. There's well two two areas. There's Abrams Kraal, which is more it's wetland, sorry, it's freshwater birding, excellent for African rail, by the way. That's a very good spot for rail. And then you've got the Hjelbeck hides, which are accessed from the parking area near the Hjelbeck Manor. So so yeah, so there's enough to fill an itinerary there. In terms of weather watching, so a couple of people have asked me in the past, when should I go to Hjelbeck and there are a couple of basic rules to follow. They do get affected by tides and by wind and such like and such things. But as a general rule, what you should do is time it to be in Hjelbeck Hyde about three and a half to four hours after high tide in Table Bay. So that's a that's a key factor for people to remember. If you go there at high tide, you're just going to see you're going to have a wonderful view of the lagoon with some distant flamingos, but you probably won't see any waders anywhere close by. So what happens is the tide recedes slowly and then from about three and a half to four hours after the high tide, then the mudflats become exposed and the birds start to move in. So first you've got your bigger birds and smaller birds start to come in and then eventually, you know, from about four and a half to five hours after, after high tide, then you've just got those absolutely indescribable numbers of waders all around you. It can be a bit overwhelming actually. Alternatively, you can also time it to be there one to two hours leading up to high tide. So that's another option. Um, although the way to watching on the pushing tide isn't as good. So I'd recommend everybody to just check the tide table before you go. Check that the wind isn't too terrible. Check that it's not going to be raining, of course. Um, and then you should be good to go. And just walking down that hide, walking down the walkway towards Kilbeck, you know, you start to hear the green shanks and the wimbles calling in the distance. And yeah, it's a wonderful experience. It's just... Um, it's, it's an absolute highlight. So that's, so that's the West Coast National Park. And then if you wanted to, you can also incorporate a trip up to Feltriff. Feltriff's not too far away from there. So Feltriff and the Columbine Peninsula. So the, the key place to know about at Feltriff is the Klippuk salt pans. Klippuk is accessed via Kefkorp Fisfanger. And the owner at that farm can, can explain access to Kefkorp Fisfanger pans and also to Klippuk salt pans. And um, he's young, he's very friendly to birders. Um, sorry, his name is Jan. He's very friendly, he always enjoys birders visiting. He doesn't ask an entry fee. 
Um, so it's free access as well. And then you can drive yourself around in the salt pans. And the special there would be wonderful views of Chestnut Banded Plover are virtually guaranteed. You're going to have Chestnut Banded Plover in the, in the shallow mud flats of the salt pans about a, a meter or two meters away from you. And that's obviously an excellent spot for redneck feather rope and also just huge numbers of waders. I mean, in our last season, we had white front sandpiper, of course. We had broadboard sandpiper. There's lesser sand plover, there's greater sand plover. So it's just an exciting mix of waders and you're just never really quite sure what you might find there. And then also the, the Columbine Peninsula is a lovely place to visit as well. And that's accessed, it's just to the east of Felchev. Um, and there's some roads that run through farmland there in the vicinity of Paternoster. And the big special there, which is another very special endemic bird, would be Cape Longboard Lock. So if you particularly a morning visit to the Columbine Peninsula, drive those farmland roads slowly, listen for the distinctive call, you've got an excellent chance of picking up a Cape Longboard Lock. So there's just so much to do. And um, yeah, I think you can definitely busy yourself for the whole day. It is possible to do, if you, depending on the tides, you can start early at West Coast National Park, enjoy the, enjoy the Strandfelt, enjoy Abram's Crawl, get to Hielbeck at the best time, and then perhaps even visit Seabout Hyde, which is another hide at, at West Coast National Park, um, which is incidentally better at high tide. And then you can also make your way up for an afternoon on the West Coast Peninsula and Feltrip area. So plenty to entertain you there. So, um, Garrett, possibly what people could do is, is, I mean, just listening to what the Royals route offers as well as what the West Coast um, the West Coast route offers. And, I mean, those are both fantastic days of birding. I mean, I think for birders that haven't been to the Cape, or haven't got any of, this, any of these specials, besides the fact that we're going to flip and marry an island the, ne- uh, the next week, I mean, this is fantastic itself. I mean, this is epic birding already. Um, oh yes, they'll love it. So, so you could, so this could possibly be two days. And I, you know, are there any other spots that people could fill in? Because I'm sure a lot of people are going to probably do these as the two days. What are other spots people can use? You know, maybe fill those little those small times, and possibly even the Monday morning up. You know, just before they just before they board. Yeah, no, there are a number of other options. Um, so one other thing that I should mention before I forget, I think you'd be interested to know that. Both Zestful Birds and Cape Town Pelagics will also be doing pelagic birding trips on those days. So that's another thing that birders could consider. Um, would be chatting to Cape Town Pelagics or to Trevor Hardacre at Zestful Birds to see if there's availability for a pelagic, which might be a lot of fun to do a pelagic, you know, on the weekend before you're going out on flock. Um, you might see a slightly different spectrum of birds, so that could also be quite fun. That's a nice option to consider. Um, I believe that Trevor, Trevor let me know that he is running trips and if there was enough availability they might even have multiple boats so if there was enough availability or enough interest they might get um, more boats going so so pelagic trip would be an option but the other options around cape town so obviously there's the cape of good hope which is another spectacular place to visit fairly low on birds but you've got lots of endemics and lots of specials you know for example all the fanbos birds so the cape of good hope is perhaps Another nice spot to pop in. It's fairly far from Cape Town. It's probably about an hour and a half's drive, but it's a very popular tourist destination as well, and with just reason because it's very beautiful. Then there's also Robin Island. I know a lot of birders are interested in Robin Island. And that one of the reasons is because of those two interesting introduced species. Um, a lot of birders want to add a chukar partridge or a peafowl to their lists. So what I could say about that is that the chukar partridge is pretty common and 
relatively easy to see on the prescribed tours, but the peacock has become very, very difficult. So the peacock is by no means a guarantee. And in fact, there are only peafowl now. There are no peacocks on the island anymore. But the other benefit of Robben Island is it's a lovely boat trip out there. You can see some pelagic birds on the way. Often you pick up a few skewers and jaegers. Saban's gull will be very common. Um, and it's also an excellent historical and special cultural visit for people to obviously visit the Robben Island Museum and see Nelson Mandela's cell. So that's, that's obviously always special. Table Mountain itself has a couple of birds. Um, you can pick up ground woodpeckers uncommonly on Table Mountain, but if you decided to do a bit of a hike, you could give yourself a chance at seeing a ground woodpecker. Although for ground woodpecker, I'd rather recommend that birders just go to Roy Alse and see it there. There's also up the west coast near Milnerton, there's Reed Flay, which is another lovely um, wetland park to, to visit. Um, lots of wetland specials there. And um, the other... The other place that I think it's also worth mentioning is the green belts and the forest trails around Cape Town, which not only is fun if you're a little bit more active and you want to stretch your legs, take a hike up Cecilia Forest um, and do some birding in those in those alien plantations alongside the forest. It can be surprisingly beneficial. And the reason I'll mention Cecilia Forest is because from the car park up to the plantation is probably the most reliable place in Cape Town to get Cape Siskin. So they are so common there, and you just listen for their calls as little groups of them fly overhead and settle in the fanboss there, um, and you can really get fantastic views of Cape Siskin. And the other thing that I think we should mention about Cape Town is they can, the raptor watching can be fantastic. Um, so one of our favorite things to do as Cape Town local birders is to, um, after work, take a stroll up above Cecilia Forest with our scopes and cameras, etc., and, you know, watch for raptors and there's excellent raptor watching there so i think cape town is one of the best places in the country to look for rufus breasted sparrowhawk there are a couple of breeding sites around cape town so rufus breasted sparrowhawk is a is a distinct possibility um also we get european honey buzzards in summertime and lots of booted eagles um, we get boot, you can see booted eagle flying over Kirstenbosch. you can see it above table mountain you can see it on a raptor watch so I know that a lot of upcountry birders always enjoy the abundance of booted eagles that we have around Cape Town and on the West Coast as well. Um, the green belts also offer common chaffinch, but I would also just make one comment to birders about the green belts. Um, some of the older bird books and guides talk about Nisner warbler, and unfortunately Nisner warbler is basically extinct on the peninsula now. Every now and again it gets recorded, but for all intents and purposes I would advise any birders not to focus any of their attention on Nisner Warbler. They unfortunately, they're not really around anymore. And then also, if you want to drive a short distance outside of Cape Town, the Darling Hills Road are very, is very um, enjoyable. That gives you fairly close to Cape Town access to Cape Clapper Lark, Greywing Franklin, Cloud Sisticola, numerous farmland and sort of grassland type specials. So, so that's also another nice place to visit. And birders also ask about Protea canary. Um, Protea canary is very difficult in the sense that it's, there's no very easy spot in close proximity to Cape Town. So your best bet for Protea canary would probably be the, the track leading alongside Palm Mountain, um, which is probably about an hour out of Cape Town. So there are more accessible sites for Protea canary, a bit further afield, but from Cape Town, it's, it's quite a difficult bird to target. So those are a few other ideas of a few other places that I can recommend around Cape Town. I must say, Garrett, this has been 
so helpful. I mean, just listening to the birds we get, I hope people have got their notebooks out. I know when I'm probably going to download this exact podcast before I fly and play this on the way down. So it's been really helpful. But just just on a, on a couple of practical things, firstly, I'm not specifically mentioning a hotel or something. I'm talking about an area. You know, if someone were to look to book the accommodation, haven't booked the accommodation yet, and they, you know, they want to try and cover these the Royals route, the West Coast route, because the different places you spoke about, where would, where's the best place to look to base themselves? Yeah, I think the best Cape Town experience overall would be to base yourself either on the southern suburbs in the Newlands area or in the Cape Town City Bowl. Cape Town City Bowl is lovely. You've got the vibe, you've got all the restaurants, you've got Table Mountain right above you. And that's fairly central. So you can strike out for the West Coast, North. Um, you can fairly easily get to Kirstenbosch around the mountain, driving around Devil's Peak. So I would I would suggest that birders look for accommodation in the City Bowl area or alternatively in the southern suburbs, Newlands, Rondebosch, that sort of area. I wouldn't recommend being too far afield, for example, the northern suburbs or, or deep out on the West Coast. I think that those will be a bit too tricky in terms of access. And I'm pretty sure if the flock is leaving at the same place as before, the flock would then be leaving from the main harbour. So if you stayed in the the Atlantic seaboard or Cape Town City Bowl area, you'd have easy access to, to where the flock will be leaving from. So those are the areas that I would recommend. And then the last question, which is really, really important, uh, you, you, you shot me down, which is cool. <laughs> uh, we were talking <laughs> about places to eat, and I was mentioning a place by V&A Waterfront, and you said, yeah, you're going to recommend we stay away from there. So I'm asking you, tell us, the for those that are from other places, tell us the, the inside, the Cape Town Insider's Guide to Good Coffee and Good Food. Okay, yeah, well, I'm sorry for shooting you down, but um, I was going to <laughs> suggest that birders avoid some of the tourist traps of the V&A waterfront. And to some extent, Camps Bay can be a little bit of a tourist trap as well. Um, I don't think that a lot of those restaurants are places that local Capetonians go. So if I was looking for places to go eat, I would, I would look for somewhere on Kloof Street or Bree Street. Those are both in the City Bowl. Um, I'm not as familiar with the southern suburbs areas, but Kloof Street and Bree Street have a, have a number of great restaurants. So, you know, there's, there's nice places to go for a drink and have, a, have something to eat. For example, Rick's Cafe, there's Black Sheep. Tali has some of the, in my opinion, the best Indian cuisine in the, in the city. Great bur- burgers to be had at Jerry's, um, which are, there are a couple of Jerry's around the city. Um, my favorite Italian place in the city is called Bacini's. It's right at the top of Kloof Street, recently been revamped. Excellent food, never, ever been disappointed there. There are also a couple of La Parada's. There's a La Parada in Brie. There's a La Parada at Constantia Neck near Hart Bay. And there's also one on Camps Bay. They, they're great. They offer Spanish-style tapas. So those are a couple of restaurants that spring to mind. Um, Cape Town is a, is a wonderfully informal city. It's not a very formal place. You don't have to get dressed up. You can pitch up at any one of those restaurants dressed in pluckies and a pair of shorts and nobody will look at you. Uh, Nobody will look askance at you. So you don't have to feel that any of these places are too high and mighty. Um, Another fun place to go is in Newlands. It's quite an institution, Forries or Foresters. It's a fun bar with a nice vibe. Get something to eat as well. Always popular. And yeah, coffee, look. Cape Town's got a great coffee culture, so you're not going to be too disappointed no matter where you get coffee. But I would there are a lot of bootlegger around Cape Town, and you'll never you'll always get a good coffee from bootlegger. But another great spot is Truth on Batenkant. 
um, street and um, Tamburvankol, which is just off Kloof, is one of my favorites. It's actually my absolute favorite coffee shop in Cape Town at the moment. They just make a really good coffee. And if you're visiting Feltruf, I would recommend you stop at the Columbine coffee shop at the Bokumslan. Um, they do great coffee and you can get a coffee and sit and do some burning while you enjoy the coffee there. So lots of great options. I think we must do some polls on Facebook and see, let people tell us the best burger, the best coffee and that. But Garrett has been it's been awesome chatting to you, man. I really appreciate it. I know this has been a challenge with load shedding and all this, but thanks for all the advice and the tips. I appreciate it, bro. No, my absolute pleasure. And I'd also like to mention that if birders would like to get in touch with me to ask me more info about where to bird in Cape Town or get pins, geolocations, etc., I'm very happy to help. They can contact me on WhatsApp, on Facebook, Instagram, you name it. So please, they mustn't feel shy. I'm very happy to share whatever knowledge I have. What we'll also do, we'll pop a post onto our Facebook page and maybe also our Facebook group. And if anyone's got any questions, they can pop it there. And I can maybe just ask Garrett just to keep an eye and we can just answer any questions that come up. Absolutely. Happy to help. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books Online Store to help get all the best birding and nature books into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life Project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link either in the comment section of this podcast or our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Don't forget to follow The Birding Life on Twitter Instagram, and Facebook. We appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Bird Lesser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a lifeless while playing your part in social conservation, as well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.